Amen. God is good. Amen. Hey, welcome to uh, next series. This is the next chapter in our new wine series. Sorry, I'm just still sucking up tears, but you know what? God is doing something new in everyone. Amen. All the time we believe that, hence this series, that God is the God. He's the ancient of days, but he's also the God of newness. And so we trust that everything new that happens, every new opportunity, every new blessing, every new spirit, every new, like, just, uh, like, thing, beautiful thing that we witness on this planet, God's hand is in it. And we, we trust that in God's newness, he keeps things fresh for us. Amen? That we can't go grow, grow weary of doing good works. We can't grow tired of our faith because God is on the move. Is that encouraging to you? Amen. It's encouraging to me too. And so I want to tell you a quick story. Um, and I had a remote at one point. I lost it. <laughs> I had a quick story. I'm going to cue you guys. It's all good. So I had... Um, a couple, uh, like maybe a year or two ago, I decided to pour my own driveway with cement, okay? Never really done cement. I sort of did some small kind of stuff before, but I've never finished it. Um, I invited people who I knew would be good. So Jason, a couple of you guys, I think Bo was there too. Like a bunch of guys came over to help and were like, concrete truck is showing up. We're going to figure this out. And so as soon as the concrete truck showed up, um, we just live in the moment, you know? And so it's like, oh, he's pouring, let's move, you know, we gotta move, and we gotta move, and we're spreading concrete and this kind of stuff. And we realize the concrete is incredibly rocky, like it's dry. And if you've ever tried to finish dry concrete, it's like you're just slapping rocks. And you're like, what is going on? It's not going smooth. I had no idea that you can ask the driver to add more water to the mix. I had no idea. So we're basically done the pour when he asks, oh, you guys like more water? Like, bruh, I could add more water the whole time. You never said anything. And we're, we have these tiny little trowels. And, and if you ever come to my driveway, you'll see exactly the fruit of not having the right preparation, the right tools and everything. It's beautiful though. I love it. It's perfectly imperfect. But then my neighbor who's a contractor shows up. He's like, you're going to need one of these and gives us one of those big floats. We're like, ah, yeah, I've seen these before. <laughs> so we got to start doing it and whatever. And we looked at it after the thing was pow. And uh, God has this funny way of doing things where he, like, we look at it, we're like, hey, it's okay. It's not bad uh, for a job that we just kind of just chanced them. Yeah. Um, but then, like, the, the couple days after, like, someone came over and, like, oh, you know I'm a professional concrete finisher, right? I'm like, oh, no ways. Where were you two days ago, brah? Someone literally came to my house last night. He's like, oh, you know, I'm a concrete finisher, too. I'm like, you got to be kidding. Like, where are these people in my life when I need them the most? And here's what I realized is the frustrations that we had that day trying to pour. And if you've ever poured concrete, you know what I mean? It's messy. It's mucky. Stuff's getting dirty everywhere. Like, my forms are falling over and all this kind of stuff. It's a frustrating situation because we didn't have access to the knowledge that we needed to do a good job and the tools and the resources, right? Most of us in our faith have something similar. We're trying to finish concrete, but we don't know how. <laughs> what I mean by that is that God has given you assignments. He's given you uh, beautiful things in your spirit to try to accomplish, but you're like, God, I don't know how to do this. And we find ourselves stuck and we need help. And one of the things today, this new wine series, we're talking about God has done something new 2,000 years ago, and he's given us this float, so to speak. He's given us this tool, and most of us have yet to pick up the tool. <laughs> and the encouragement this morning is, I believe, if we can pick up this tool, which God has given us, to live a flourishing, faithful life, that there can be absolute change in the way that we do what God has called us to do. Amen? So you guys are like, oh, what is this tool? <laughs> First, and... Um, Thanks, Kiloha. If you want to click the first slide. The tool, actually, this week is a new heart. You're like, a new heart? What does that actually mean? And so we're going to break this down because the Bible has a lot to say about the heart. The heart is the epicenter of love. That's really what it symbolizes. And even back then, even today, we understand that analogy. Your heart literally, in a literal way, just pumps blood. But more metaphorically, it actually is like the sustaining um, like epicenter of just how God flows in you and how love flows out. And so Jeremiah 17 has this classic verse, this classic verse that you and I heard growing up all the time, that the heart is more deceitful than all else, and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? He then says this, but I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. So we kind of grew up with this, this theology, this mentality your heart is wicked. Don't ever trust your heart. Your heart, do not believe it at all. And, and we see this, like if you watch any dating reality shows, 
and you hear the kind of rhetoric, and you guys, some of you guys know exactly what show I'm talking about, but the rhetoric is, oh my gosh, I'm just following my heart, and like my heart will lead me, you know, and the heart leads you to despair every time. When you follow your heart, but here's the thing, is Jeremiah is making it very clear, it's when you follow the human heart that is detached from God. So the heart detached from God is a destructive heart. We can't understand it. I don't know why I have these impulses. I don't know where these desires come from. But God promises something beautiful in us that we have a, been given something new, a new tool, so to speak, a new heart. And I love the ending there because he says this. He says, I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine the motives. You, your heart is deceitful and wicked. That's why I'm the one who has to search your heart. I have to intercede in your heart, if you will. So it's God's intercession into our hearts that makes our heart worthy, and it makes our heart holy, and it makes our heart good and trustworthy. Isn't that awesome? So, and next slide, Kealoha. So Jeremiah 31, a few chapters later, there's this beautiful promise. He said, I'm giving you a new covenant, and in this new covenant, there's new promises. He says, for this is the new covenant which I make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and write it on their what? Their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. God is like, I'm giving you a brand new heart. I'm writing the law on it. I'm interceding. I'm depositing something new into your life. Isn't that beautiful? So this is the great transaction, a great transaction we almost never talk about, is that when you give your heart to God, he does the same back. He gives his heart back to you. So that my heart... As I give my heart to the Lord, I surrender my heart to God. He actually gives me his heart so that his heart becomes my heart. And so my heart is no longer wicked because I have God's heart. Amen? So the wickedness is gone. So your heart, I want to say this loudly for everyone in the room, if you are in Christ, you are no longer have a wicked heart. Amen? You have been set free from that. God has purified your heart 2,000 years ago. And the question is, do you see that he has put a new heart on the table and have you accessed it? Have you received it? Have you walked into it? That's the question we have to wrestle with. So God has given us a new heart, the capability to love like God loves. Think about that. God has given us the capability to love like he loves. You mean the God who forgave all of humanity? The, the God who was whipped and mocked and crucified and said nothing, grumbled, no grumble at all. And yet, in his death, hanging on the cross, looked at a man, a thief on the cross, who had an ounce of faith, and said, you're coming with me to paradise. He forgave a man in his dying breath. That kind of love. Amen? You can love the same way Christ loved. It's the power of Christ in me that allows me to love the way I love. Amen? This is, this is a radical concept and a radical idea, and this is what, if we step into this and make this our reality, things can change. And we'll see, I'm going to give you some guys some great examples of this. But here's the next slide, because there's a, there's a lot of verses about this, so I want to get through this. Ezekiel 26, this is about 50 to 100 years earlier than Jeremiah's prophecy. God speaks through Ezekiel. He says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will, be no, you will no longer worship idols. Amen? That's so good. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Isn't that awesome? So your stubborn, stony heart, my stubborn, stony heart, God doesn't, thank you, bro. Ooh, can we get up for Fale? What a, whoo, yes, uh, the power is back. So here's the idea, is God isn't interested in cleansing your heart. He's interested in replacing it. So when you receive Christ, he's like, it's already been cleansed. I washed it on the cross. Now take this new heart, I'm going to rip out the stony one, I'm going to put one in that's responsive and tender. That's crazy. That is crazy. So this is what we have to do is in the back of your mind as we go through these passages, think, have I received that new heart? Has the heart of Christ been activated in me? Have people seen Christ in the way that my heart longs for things in this world? Have people experienced Christ by interacting with me and seeing the way that I love people, the way I love my wife and my kids, the way I love my coworkers? 
the wail of my enemies? Are we actually showing the love of Christ through our own heart condition? And this is the question we have to answer, because if we do, things will change. I believe it. So God gives, you give your heart to God, he gives you his heart in return. But here's the craziest thing, is this promise from God goes even far beyond the prophecies. Genesis 3, like page 3 of the Bible, look at, look at this interaction right after Adam and Eve sinned. It says this, the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than the animals. This is the, this is the curse, the promise to Satan, right? Domestic and wild, you will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And he says this, I will cause hostility between you and the woman because your offspring, uh, sorry, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. What is he saying? He's saying that you had easy access to them in the garden. You deceived them. Part of your curse is there is going to be hostility between humanity and the enemy. Your heart since Genesis 3 has been anti-Satan. Isn't that awesome? God has put a wall of hostility up so that you would know that that is not the way of the Lord when we follow in the way of Satan. So when we receive Christ, we recognize that from the get-go, God has put up hostility between us and him. It's almost like God bends us away from Satan. Our heart has always had a bend towards the things of God. And you can kind of tease that out, what that actually looks like, and people all over the world, and what, what this has looked like for humanity. But here's the idea. Since the beginning, God's like, I want your heart to be my heart. I want you to bend away, to, away from the world, away from your flesh, and bend towards me. And when you do that, there's life in my name. Amen? So this is, this is a big promise that has been going on for a long time, for thousands of years. God is like, take my heart, see my heart, do my heart, receive my heart. Now, the, here's a big, kind of a big idea to chew on, is that our hearts are actually what make us different. Have you thought about that? Jesus tells his disciples this. He says, people will know you that you follow me based on how great your business success is. Be like, oh yeah, if you're rich, you must be a Jesus follower, yeah? That's what he says? Nope, okay, wait, that's not it. Oh yeah, he's like, you will, people will know that you follow me because you have all the right political stance, yeah? People, amen. <laughs> Love it. No, that's not it. People will know you by your love. Your love. And here's what's wild about this. There is um, a great story. You might have heard this before. In 1200s, the Crusades are happening. The quick story of the Crusades is European Christianity, France, England, uh, Germany, so a bunch of countries that were largely Christian were feeling threatened by incoming Islamic forces as they took over the Holy Land, and they created doctrines to launch people into this holy war of sorts, which we know historically was one of the biggest blunders, saying it lightly, in Christian history just warring with, with Muslims, free pass to kill Muslims, and you get free pass to heaven. This is what people were promised. And so the church was abusing its power to get people into war. What we don't hear about is when we hear, oh, those Christians, they have terrible hearts. <laughs> we hear that all the time. But what we don't hear about was a guy named Francis of Assisi. Francis of Assisi was in Egypt, and he was starting his own movement. He was moving through Europe, and uh, he winds up in Egypt, and he, God puts it on his heart to go see the sultan of Egypt. This is right in the middle of the war. Literally, fighting is happening, and he says, I'm going to make peace. More than that, I'm going to try to convince the sultan that Jesus is Lord, and he's going to come to know peace, and this is going to be... And what happened is, uh, understand, documents are different. People have all sorts of theories, but what the general theory is, is when he showed up, his life was in danger because they're like, you're a Christian. You're one of those who is trying to kill my people. And he said, no, I come in peace, and I want to just preach the gospel. And so like, sit, let's hear your gospel. And he preached, and they began a beautiful relationship, which many believe to be, this is like fifth, there's eight crusades, which is wild. Fifth crusade, he goes, uh, sorry, Francis of Assisi goes to see the sultan, and after that, they start winding down. So people think it's a turning point in the war, because one man had a soft heart to say, killing people in the name of God is not what God has asked us to do. He says, I want to show compassion, and I want to find peace. So one man with a changed heart can have a massive ripple effect, change the whole duration of the Crusades. 
And here's what's wild too. This was crazy to me. I was just reading this yesterday. Was that in the Quran, the Quran was written in the 600s, and I didn't post it because I'm like, it's weird making, quoting a Quran verse in church. But in Quran, if you look it up, Quran 583, whatever that means, talks about the author is saying, when you go out as Muslims, you're going to run into Jews and they're going to be your enemies. And he says this, if you run into people who call themselves followers of Jesus, followers of the Christ, you're going to love them. They're an affectionate people. And when they hear the name of the Lord, they worship and their eyes swell up with tears. This is literally in the Quran. He says, these are going to be your friends. Christians will be your friends because there's an affection about them that is absolutely attractive and it's magnetic. They love the Lord. Isn't that wild? So this is the, this is the kuleana that we live under with new hearts. Is we are people who warm the hearts of others by the affection that was first placed on us by Jesus, and we warm other people with our affection and our love. That's, in, in a sense, you could say that's the gospel. But if you're like me this morning, you're like, wait, okay, wait, Pastor Mark, I struggle. I, my heart is still crooked. I, I am stuck in sin. I got stuff going on in my heart, and I don't know what to do with it. And like, I don't know, how can I say that I have a pure heart, but I still have all this stuff going on inside? And I would say this, in a nutshell, is that if you wrestle between, the sin and the, between your, your sin and your spirit, the spirit man and the flesh, as Paul said, are always going to battle. But if you are battling sin and your heart recognizes there is something greater, I feel bad for my sin, my heart wants to do the other way, you've already recognized that the heart of Jesus is in you, just in the fact that the tension is there. Does that make sense? Because in that tension, you recognize there's a competing force against your flesh. There's something in you that says, this is not the way, this is not how I bring flourishing. And for you and I alike, I believe when I sin, when I'm stuck in sin, there is a voice in my heart that says, man, this isn't the way to go. And so I know the voice of Christ is in me, in my heart. Amen? And so you might not hear it, but I believe it's there. And when you receive Christ, that heart has already been pulled out, your stony heart, and the new heart is able to be accessed in that kind of love. So this is the kind of heart, this is the kind of love, the expectation that God has put on us. So I want to talk about your new heart. What does it look like? Your new heart is, number one, is it soft and compassionate? It's soft and compassionate. We don't hold hardness as Christians, as followers of Christ. And what I mean by that is there's no um, brokenness in the world that shouldn't at some point break our heart too. We sing that song, break, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. I want to mourn when other people are mourning, and I want to rejoice when they're rejoicing. Amen? Like, this is the heart of God. Um, it's soft, it's compassionate, it is not stubborn, it is, it's open, and it's sensitive, and it's receiving. And um, here's a quick quote from C.S. Lewis. He says it this way, that there is no safe investment. He's talking about an investment of the heart. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Just have a soft heart. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung, possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it up carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or in a coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative of tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. <laughs> if you're like, that's a lot of wor big words, Pastor Mark, I'll summarize it for you. If you guard your heart to the extent where you can't open it up to receive a new kind of love, you're, you're damning your heart because God is trying to place a love inside of you that he can't get. It's irredeemable. So there's a, in Christ, we open our hearts. We open our hearts to people. We open our hearts even if it means we might get hurt. But this is what it means, right? So this is one of those things, man, we struggle with this, and we could go into all sorts. This could be a, a sermon in itself. But I would ask you to reflect on this question this morning. Whom in my life may I be growing a hardness towards? All of us have hard hearts towards somebody. What is it about them that makes your heart hard? What's threatening you? What makes you feel like I can't get too close because it's dangerous if I open my heart to someone like that? 
What could that look like? And then you think about the Jesus that we serve. The Jesus who ate with sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors, got mocked for doing so, showed such a crazy empathy for people that he opened his heart to everyone and he got blasted for opening his heart. He let people in close to him and his best friends betrayed him. Man, I'll tell you this, if, if Jesus built walls of hostility for every time he got offended, his walls would be huge, right? He would have every reason to push people, keep them at arm's length. But yet he said, kept a soft heart. I'm going to stay compassionate. I'm going to stay loving because God's people are warm and affectionate people and people will know us by that love. The love that, re- that gets hate, like the love that receives um, uh, tension and receives um, what's that word I'm looking for? Like conflict. And it's, it's one like loving my enemies, the people who persecute me most. If I can love them, Jesus is going to shine bright. This is what Jesus promises us. So number two is this, is that your new heart is actually really, really forgiving. And there's a long list, but I picked out some of my favorites. And this might be holding you back from growth in your spirit, is that if there is unforgiveness in your heart towards anybody, Jesus is going to be extremely limited in changing your heart because you have closed yourself off. You said, I am, this person is not worthy of love. And if God's heart is trying to be deposited in you, how can he love that person whom he created through you if you've closed the door? This is what unforgiveness does. Love flows through you. The love of Christ flows through you to other people. Amen? So if I close that door in unforgiveness and bitterness and envy, God has no access to them through me. So I never want that. There's something, I want to show you a quick video. There's a, uh, about 10 years ago, there's a really, and, and forgive me, it's, it's, a, it's a very sensitive topic. There's a man who committed multiple murders and, um, and kidnapped. He was, he was a, a serial killer. He was kidnapping young people and ended up um, murdering them. Was diagnosed with some kind of psychosocial thing. Very stoic. Had no emotion to the whole thing. And you might remember this. You might have seen it on the news. It was groundbreaking. The parents of these young people whom he had murdered stood before him and got to testify him in court. And they railed on him. But what happened when someone with a new heart in Christ shows up on the pews or shows up on the stand, something wildly different happens. We'll take a look. I have a quick video. Gary Ridgway sat there stone-faced as victims' relatives damned him and mocked him. He's an animal. I wish for him to have a long, suffering, cruel death. He's gonna go to hell and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway, um, there are people here that hate you. I'm not one of them. You've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe, and that is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. And that's a very short version of it. But this man stood through dozens and dozens of testimonies of people berating him, no emotion. As soon as he says, you've been forgiven, I hold nothing against you, that, that hard nut cracked. That's the power of love in us, amen? Through forgiveness. And each one of us has that same power of Christ within us. That if I forgive others as I have been forgiven, even the hardest nuts are going to crack. Amen? That's the power of God. He's so powerful in his love. Wow. So God has given us a, a soft and compassionate heart. He's given us a forgiving heart. Man, like I'm just thinking back too. Could you imagine being one of those parents? I don't know. I couldn't do that. And I'm a pastor. <laughs> that's a hard situation to be in. But if that's the radical love that Jesus puts inside of us is to forgive in the most uncanny of situations. Amen? Some of us have hurt us really badly and we want to be sensitive to that. Some people have been hurt, have been abused. And so you're like, Pastor Mark, I don't understand you don't understand, I'm going through a lot. It's a lot to ask for forgiveness, and it is. But I want to remind you, you have the capacity. Don't think it's out of reach, amen? When you have Christ in your heart, that power is absolutely available to you. 
to forgive. And that power is for your soul as well. That when you forgive, there's something that happens in your heart. And Christ comes alive in a new way. So the other one is generous. So our hearts, our new heart is soft, it's forgiving, it's generous. A stingy heart. God says it several times in the Bible that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Why does he love a cheerful giver? Doesn't he love big givers? Like people who just give the most? Isn't that what generosity is? No, see, in the new covenant, generosity is those who give because their heart understands the, the why we give. It's out of gratitude and thanksgiving that everything we have came from God. It doesn't belong to me. I take nothing when I'm in the grave. Nothing goes with me to heaven from this earth except relationships. So what I'm going to do is spend my life stewarding everything God's given me to bless other people so that when I die, God will say, good investment, well done, good and faithful servant. And I tell you what, that kind of generosity, that kind of giving excites me, for me personally, and hopefully you too. Giving is one of the best things that we can do because it asks us to remove our attachment to earthly things. And when I can remove myself from my attachment to earthly things, I am free in my spirit. And so Pastor Jonah says it the best because he get all the one-liners. He says that in the new covenant, you don't have to tithe. You don't even have to give 10%. We're now free to give as much as we want. <laughs> but it's true. When you recognize the privilege that it is to be generous in the kingdom of God, what's keeping us from continuing that? Amen? And I love because this church already is generous. There's all kinds of stuff. I remember one of, the, um, one of the pivotal moments for me in college. I was going through a really hard time. Uh, on the mainland, it's college life, so you're trying to afford, my car's breaking down, I cannot afford it. Um, I had this beater with all these surf stickers on it, my hair looked exactly the same now. Um, just, Meg's going to diagnose me later, I don't know what's going on. But I was going through all this stuff, I walked into church, and it had been a while since I was at church, because college, you stop going to church a lot of times. So I walked into church, this old auntie walks up behind me, and just kind of, she saw me. She went over and wrote a check for $200 and just slipped it to me. And she just knew it was the privilege of her heart to see someone who looked like me, like a scraggly old college student, stroll in. And she's like, you know what? I love you. We're so glad you're here. Go be blessed. And it was just like the joy in her giving. It wasn't like, oh, she was 200 bucks. It was like, she really cares about me. Generosity, when it comes from the Lord, is one of the most powerful weapons of love, a powerful weapon of your new heart is in the generosity that you can show to others. And remember, generosity is not about the amount. Generosity is about the spirit by which it comes. That it's Christ in me. It's not this like, ugh, obligatory giving. It's like, no, Christ is in me. Guess how much I get to give this week? It's amazing. What a privilege. So a generous heart is a new heart in Christ's kingdom. The next one is this, is your heart is just and it's merciful. There's a lot of passages about this. But when you become, have a new heart in Christ, the, the justice of God becomes the heartbeat of your heart. You want to see things on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to see things here. All the injustices I see, I want to help be a part of the solution. I want to help redeem injustices as I approach them. So we have this crazy verse, and I'll give you my kind of quick um, revelation on this because I feel like it's really important. So Micah the prophet just tells, his, is telling Israel, he's like, don't you guys have any gratitude for what I've done? Talking about him being God. God has saved us from slavery. He's done everything for us. He's taken care of you, every single one of your needs. And what? How are you going to repay him? You're going to slaughter thousands of rams? You're going to bring tons and tons of burnt offerings? He's like, no, that's not going to do it. He says, here's all I require of you. He says this, no, people, the Lord has told you what is good and all that he requires. This is the heart of God alive in us, to seek justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. What does that mean? It means that I seek what's pono. And the pilawness in my heart has been ripped out. So now I can see clearly what is righteous in God's eyes. And I pursue that. When I come into face with injustice, things change. Because when I find somebody who has been doing injustice, I seek, I have sought justice. And now I'm going to start loving mercy. Because the battle is not flesh and blood. So God's justice is never vengeful. Does that make sense? So as we seek justice, we never come after those who have committed injustice. There's consequences for justice. Let me just say that first. If you commit a crime, you're going to pay the price. That's just the life we live in. But if I, as long as I seek justice, when I come to face-to-face -face with injustice in a person, another human being with breath in their lungs, I switch and I love mercy. God had mercy on your soul. I have mercy on you too. 
And I can only walk in that without getting too high maka maka that I'm better than you if I'm walking humbly with God. Does that make sense? This is a process. I seek justice. Then I start loving mercy because justice without mercy isn't God's justice. I seek justice. I love mercy. And I learn to be humble as I walk with God through these processes. Amen? So my heart is one that's driven by justice, but it finds mercy and it's humble the entire time. I stay humble. So this is the heart of a just and merciful God. And there's so many stories about God's justice where he could have rained hellfire and God's like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to show you mercy because I want you to know what real justice looks like in my kingdom. It's merciful and it's gracious. And the last one is this. Oop, there it goes. Your heart, your new heart is unoffendable. I don't know if you knew this. You can't be offended when you have a new heart in Christ. Amen? And you're like, wait, what? I get offended all the time. <laughs> Your offense in the new covenant is a choice. And what I mean by that is people will say things. People will do things. You will be backstabbed. You will have enemies. You will have people who, who hurt you. But I cannot hold offense as long as I carry a heart that views people the same way that God views people. So my enemy isn't you. It's not flesh and blood. It's the power of the principality of darkness that lives within you. And so my battle is not against you, it's to redeem you out of that, pull you out of darkness into marvelous light so that you can be connected with your creator. That's the battle, amen? So we are redeemers because our God's a redeemer. He's got a redeemer's heart. So we don't punish people, we don't throw them down. We say, no, you get back up and be the man or woman that God's called you to be. That's our kuleana. So I cannot be offended because it's not you that's wrong, it's the enemy trying to offend somebody through you. It's your flesh trying to offend me through, that, through you. Does that make sense? So I just let, we have to get to a point in our faith where we can just laugh at that. Like, people will say something. I'm like, I know who I am in Christ. It just kind of bounces off. Like, I know Jesus has already called me a son. He's forgiven me of all my sins. I walk in freedom. I've been given a new spirit. What words could possibly ruin the spirit that God has put in me, right? And it's not like when sticks or stones thing. Like, words do hurt. I get it. But in our processing and in our journaling, we should always go back to Jesus. Who do you say I am? And how does that help me filter the things that are coming at me in this world. Keep me from being offended, God. And most of all, if I, if I could just say this too, I think a lot of times our offense comes from when we pursue approval and we pursue success in man's eyes. And we pursue the heart of man and we want men to recognize us. We want humans to recognize us. We want humans to give us glory. And as soon as they do that, we feel offended. Or as soon as they criticize us, we feel offended. And what if we actually lived like there's only one opinion that really mattered about us? You know, an audience of one. How would that change our dynamic, our entire life? That's the life we live with a new heart. Is I'm fully confident in who Christ has called me to be. And as I walk with his heart, just like Jesus. Jesus took cracks, you guys, like full on. And I can take cracks too if I'm in Christ. Yeah, that's in John somewhere, I think. I can take cracks too if I'm in Christ. <laughs> I'll find it next week. But here's what I want us to do. Here's what I want you to do is reflect. And maybe if I can have um, Eva come and just kind of pad. I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you seen God's heart at work in you? One of the things we want to avoid the most is this understanding that I have to strive to have a heart like God's. It has been given to you. <laughs> Amen. You have that heart. Whether you know it or not, the heart of God lives in you. And we see Jesus in all of you in so many different ways. But if we can't recognize it and pull it out, you're not going to emphasize it. You're not going to walk in it. And so we want to, as a church today, usually like my first thought this morning was like, okay, how are you not having God's heart? It's like, no, how is it in you? And why, why is it only so manini if it can be so much bigger? Amen? What's keeping your heart from growing into God's heart? Where is, is there unforgiveness? Is there offense? Are there blocks? Are there things that getting in the way? Is there a softness and a compassion? Do you have a hardness of your heart towards somebody or somebody's? Why is that? I promise you this, is that when you open your heart to be vulnerable, to allow the Spirit of God and come to, to change you, you'll be like uncle in that video, that even in the midst of the biggest pain in the world, you can still walk in a ridiculous, miraculous kind of love. That's the goal. I want to look like Jesus. I want to love like him. And if I can do that, bro, everything around me is going to change. I believe that. You'll change environments. You'll change your family. But it takes a radical commitment to understanding the heart of God is in you. And I want to pull that out and remove the stone heart that God has put in, or that the flesh puts in me. So I'm going to say this is actually as we process, if you don't mind, if you're here with people, 
turn, and I want you to share with somebody in the next five minutes or so. And this feels like boasting, like, oh, well, the Lord's heart lives in me. And no, it's not boasting if God's done it. <laughs> Amen? You're boasting in Him. He's the one who puts a new heart in you. So don't be ashamed to say, no, God is alive in me, and here's how I see it. And if people have a hard time, speak that into someone. Bro, here's how I see your heart. Here's how I see Jesus in you. I see it. So do that with somebody around you. If you have nobody else, just kind of move down a row and force yourself into someone else's group because we're all family. We're all going to be with each other for eternity, so no more awkward, yeah? So everybody get together and ask yourselves this question. And if you have time, pray for one another that that would be emphasized. That heart would be magnified because it's Christ's heart in us.
but the, the presence of Christ is in each one of you. So we pray that you guys would find, continue to pull that out and pull that out in one another, pull that out in each other, amen? Pastor Jonah is going to come because he got a word from the Lord, and so he's going to share this with us as we close. Amen. Uh, during worship, I was just wondering why God was running Scripture through my head. So, Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How many of us know we have a time of need almost constantly as we live in this uh, crazy life? in the midst of what some people may call our humanity, that we need Christ constantly. Amen? And uh, it says we need his mercy, and we need to come to the throne room of grace. And that's something we constantly need to do. And, and, and one of the extensions to what Pastor Mark was talking about, sometimes that grace needs to be applied to us first. How many of you know that you need to first, in order to forgive others, you might have to first forgive yourselves? And uh, I just felt that overwhelming, Pastor Mark, that as you were speaking about the new heart, like it starts, you know, the, the, the great love, the great commandment of love is love others as you what? Love yourself. And so in this midst of, of what we experience today, because there was a word that came forth today, amen, family? There's a word that came forth. There's a spirit that pressed into each and every one that brought us to this point of where the Holy Spirit has us right now. So what I want us to do in this moment is I really want you to be merciful first to yourselves. Because that's requires, that's an extraordinary request from pastors for you to find mercy first. Mercies are renewed every day. Why? Because we need his mercies. Because the world needs a merciful body of Christ. Not a condemnative body of Christ. It first needs a merciful. But mercy given is first mercy received. Amen. That list that Pastor Mark just gave us is, is something that we first have to receive. We have to receive the soft and compassionate heart and expression of God for what Jesus did on that cross. Amen. Can you guys put up that list again? So I don't have to go to my phone. We'll put up the cheat sheet. There is. And then you first have to receive the forgiveness for yourself. Amen. You have to understand the generosity required from yourself to yourself of the goodness of God. That That's why we come every weekend. It's being generous to yourself is why we come to church on the weekends. Just and merciful to yourself. Amen. And unoffendable to yourself. When you look in the mirror, you're not seeing the broken, busted, disgusted person who you used to be, but the one with the brand new heart. So let's bow our heads. And I just want to pray over each and every one of us. Because I'm going to receive this prayer too this morning as we close out the service. But it requires us to receive this personally. It's just one of the steps that sinks this thing called the love of God so deep inside of us. It makes his love so relative to us first so that we can take that out because this world is dying. As Pastor Mark saw, there were people that were absolutely disgusted with this killer and then somebody applied mercy in the moment when condemnation was well deserved it seemed. As we bow our heads in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters. As we end this mighty move of the Spirit in this house today, Lord, we thank you that your generosity was first for us, Lord. Your generosity on the cross. That you could have turned the other way because the power was in your hands. Your compassion for us said, go to that cross without complaining. They do not, they, they don't know what they do. Whew. Holy Spirit, thank you for your abundance in this place and your presence right now in this house, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that this is a house of the word, Lord. That Thank you that this is a house where the Holy Spirit has an invitation to dwell in its people here. 
that this is a place that we walk into and we can experience the goodness, the merciful goodness of the throne room of grace right here. Lord, so right now in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, in the authority given to us in the name of Jesus, Lord, we drink the forgiveness for ourselves, Lord. We receive that forgiveness unto ourselves, Lord. We are generous with ourselves today. Lord, we're compassionate and soft towards ourselves. We are unoffended by the things that we've done, Lord. Your, if your mercies were fresh and renewed today, Lord, then that mercy is extended from self, myself, to myself, Lord. And as all our eyes are bowed, and I'm speaking to you in this house today, and you receive, you receive those mercies, you receive that forgiveness from yourself to yourself, raise your hand in this house today. Raise your hand so that I can see that you receive the mercy of God for yourself today. Amen. And your ability to raise your hand, it, it's, it, it's where it begins. Lord, so thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for this house, Lord. Thank you for the generation and the legacy of the spirit and the word that exists in this house, Lord. We cannot leave this house today if you do not know jesus as our heads are bowed if you do not know jesus as your lord and savior that means you know he lives inside of you that you have the source living inside of you because some of you may be asking yourself right now now i i I cannot understand the first thing the beginning the beginning of the ability to understand all of this stuff is to ask Jesus to come inside of you, to live inside of you, to be your Lord. We got to start there. That's where it all starts. You need a starting point. So that's somebody in this house today that needs a starting point of having the Lord, the Jesus Christ be your Lord. If I'm speaking to you, as all of the eyes are closed today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to look up at me right now. Look up at me in this house if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If I don't see your eyes looking at me and I can't see that, raise your hand and go, Pastor Jonah, wave your hand at me if you have to so that I know that I'm going to be praying with you. So that means all of us in this house today, probably the majority, are saved in this house today. That's awesome. There's a work for us that starts. We're going to walk outside of the door today, family, in the name of Jesus. And we're going to go back to our life. You're going to look in the mirror. You're actually going to believe that you may be looking at somebody that was recognizable from the day before. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you see God's intention in the person you see in the mirror. I pray that you see the person with a new heart, the person who is able to be soft and compassionate, the person who is able to be generous, the person who is able to be merciful, the person who is able to be unoffendable in this very offending world. And Lord, so we bless you. We thank you for this day that you have given. Lord, thank you for the powerful seed that was planted in each and every one of us today. Lord, may we go out into this world and just shine so everybody can see the love of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Everybody have a great week. God bless you. Also, don't forget, there is food in the back, you guys. We are eating. We're moving this party next door. Auntie Joanne and the team have been cooking, so let's go be blessed together. Amen. Aloha, church family. Thank you so much for joining with us in worship this morning. We truly hope that you were refreshed and and strengthened in your faith during these crazy pandemic days. We invite you to look at all of our messages. They're available on our YouTube channel. We'd also invite you to download our church app. It's just a great way for us to keep in touch, to communicate, also for you to receive materials. So uh, take advantage of downloading that church app. We would invite you to partner with us as we continue serving God faithfully during these days. And you can give online, you can give on our website, uh, or mail a check into our street address. We really appreciate your support with that. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord grant you peace. We love you. Aloha.